This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show, another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal News Show. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well today. Uh, Good morning and uh, welcome to the chat box, everybody. We've got plenty of you already joining this uh, in the show and making this part of your morning routine as well. Matt G, good morning to you. To Tony, to John T, to Jose, Stevie, Paul, David, Afsar, Anthony. Uh, <laughs> COVID party warrior, yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, and no, I feel fine, still fine, as fine as fine can be, uh, during this period. But, uh, as I say, I think I've got off fairly lightly, you know, triple vax and all. Jashar, Liam, Christopher, Olu, Akshat, uh, AV, Vinny, Bruce, Perez. Good morning to all of you guys. Uh, Paul, Doodle, uh, friendship family. What a, what a lovely YouTube name. <laughs> <laughs> lovely uh ry manu rob femi uh we all follow the arsenal who joins the discord server last night mike and marcus good morning to everybody natty as well um joining us too let's crack on though as always by telling you to go subscribe to the arsenal way i'll be live over there at 9 30 this morning i do need to update this image because uh try and check on the subscriber count we're closing in on no wow we're 40 subs away from nine thousand. so uh if you haven't already subscribed to the Arsenal way, do go give us a massive push. Uh, I've basically set ourselves the target of trying to hit 10,000 subs before the end of the season, which is a big, big ask, um, considering we would have hit 10K in one season. But if we can do that, it would be absolutely amazing. So thank you to everyone that's supported us so far. And if you haven't done so already, please go over and hit that subscribe button link in the description. Um, articles that were written yesterday by myself, uh, wrote a few pieces. If you want to check them out, link to my page on Football London is also in the description. Uh, Kieran Tierney, I talked about the captaincy situation with Xhaka basically giving us the biggest hit that Tierney is set to take over the armband and what that means and how good that is and basically the fact that it's always been wanted by most of the Arsenal fans. Another one about Mikel Arteta trying to shut up Antonio Conte because Spurs' win over Manchester City is nothing really new, to be honest. It's something they do 
fairly regularly. In fact, City have only won once in the last six Premier League meetings with Spurs. And lastly, how Arteta's comments over Nicolas Pepe is, is showing how he's learning from the mistakes made with Matteo Genduzzi and the role that Genduzzi is playing in uh, the summer or the possible summer sale of Nicolas Pepe. So plenty of stuff to discuss. But we start off today's news by talking about Jack Wilshere, who finally has a football club. He's moved to Danish side AGF, who play in the top tier of Danish football. I think they're currently sitting 7th, uh, like 6th or 7th, uh, maybe even higher than that, to be fair. Um, let's have a quick look at the Danish league uh, and the table right now. AGF sit in 7th, indeed, yes. 24 points uh, so far in the table. It's the league that you'll see teams like FC Copenhagen, Michelin, Bronby, all take part in, Nordsjælland as well. Um, he will play there, and supposedly, according to Sky, uh, who did post about this, he's going to earn around £5,000 per week, which is obviously significantly less than he would be earning in the Premier League, but he's getting back into the team, and he's not going to be their highest-paid player either, which kind of shows you that he is definitely not doing this and hasn't been doing this to try and get a significant wage. He's going, well, I say significant wage, it's football. In the context of football, uh, he isn't going to even be their highest paid player. But uh, great news for Jack to get his club. Hopefully he's chosen the right one and uh, we'll see him continue forwards through his footballing career. Our next story, though, is a bit of a frustrating one. Calcio and Mercato in Italy have claimed that Arsenal still hold an interest in Alvaro Morata. Now, I said during the January window that I would have been fine if we would have went to sign for Morata for six months and only six months because... You know, he would have added something to the forward line, would have been added a couple of goals. I'd rather Morata coming off the bench than Eddie Nketiah, that's for sure. And he'd also add something in the air, which we have lacked. But to see him still linked and suggested that a summer move could be on the horizon is one of two things. One, it doesn't make any sense. Two, I think it's probably lingering on from those January rumours. And it's not something that I need to get irritated or you need to get irritated about because... I don't think there's that much truth in the idea that Arsenal would be looking to sign Alvaro Morata. Um, but we have got to sign someone of the level uh, far above what Alvaro Morata would offer Arsenal in the summer. Our penultimate story is a mad one, though, considering reports emerging that Napoli would accept a fee as little as £16 million to sign Fabian Ruiz in the summer, whose contract will just have the single year left. It's their last year to be able to make as much money as feasibly possible. Now, I know that the transfer marked website valuations of players can be a bit off, but not wildly off. Uh, only in the scenario where players have long-term contracts and they're usually typically really young. So, for instance, like Bakaya Saka's value is going to be far, far, far below what he's actually worth. But what's interesting about the players in their mid-20s and going through the latter stage of their career, those values do change. And they actually are more representative of the player's value. They're more accurate as to what you'd expect to be able to pay. And Fabian Ruiz's valuation is £49.5 million. And to be honest, that's not wildly inaccurate. He is a brilliant central midfielder, one of the best in Italian league. And also, of course, is still very young and in his mid-20s now. If Arsenal can get hold of Fabian Ruiz for £16 million, that's mad. Uh, Peeny Wynn, you may have misheard me. 16, not £60 million, £16 million. A ridiculously small figure 
for what uh, Fabian Ruiz would cost. I would be, if Arsenal aren't able to get um, <laughs> him for that price, it would be ridiculous that they wouldn't be going in for him. Uh, interestingly, uh, the representatives of Arsenal did supposedly meet with the players' agents uh, a couple of weeks ago, according to the Mirror, to kind of get a feel for the players' demands and what he would be asking for. So there is clearly a link and an interest from Arsenal that they would be looking to chase up on in the summer. Uh, I wrote a piece on this this morning that is out on Football London. In my view, he's kind of the perfect player to take on this new Xhaka role that he's kind of occupied on that left-hand side of the midfield three. So, Fabian Ruiz, £16 million. Pounds. Please, please go and do that. That would be an absolutely fantastic move. Now, I want to finish uh, the section of the show, probably which is going to blur the line between the Q&A and the news section, with the Abamyang situation. Now, if you've not already gone and seen Abamyang's hat-trick, and I say hat-trick because the third goal is the luckiest third goal you'll ever see. It's an amazing strike uh, from outside the box that just clips the top of Aubameyang's back, which takes it just over the keeper, but it's, it barely deviates from the path it was originally going, and it earns in the third goal. The second goal is a tap-in from uh, a very good and well-worked move and a great cross from Dembele. The first goal is very good. It's a brilliant, brilliant finish. Great ball over the top, runs onto it. Great touch, great finish into the top right-hand corner past the Valencia goalkeeper. Now, this sparked a lot of, what's the right word, furore uh, online last night. It sparked a lot of debate, a lot of discussion. Uh, it brought a lot of people out of the woodwork, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, and Arteta was definitely taking the the brunt of, of all of the kind of directed frustration at seeing Aubameyang score a hat-trick for Barcelona. What is my feeling on this? My feeling that he was he was going to score for Barcelona. I think the Barcelona system that Xavi is trying to implement there is is going to far suit a player that really relishes just finishing inside the box. Granted, his first goal didn't really fit into that category, but I don't see that type of goal being something we're going to see week in, week out from him. Uh, the second goal that he scores is definitely what I can see him scoring on a more regular basis as Barcelona create those kind of clear-cut opportunities in and around the six-yard box. He needed to be moved on. There's no doubt in my mind that we needed to move move him on. The debate for me isn't about, you know, that we should have kept him. The debate is why we didn't bring in any goals in to kind of replace what he'd lost. I think there were players that moved in January, like Arta Cabral, like Valvecos, that we could have moved for. We could have moved harder for Alvaro Morata for six months if we wanted to. We didn't. That's, that's the crux of the issue for me, is that we didn't replace those goals. And we should have done. But kind of pointing the finger at Arteta for wrongly removing Aubameyang, I find still strange. And we discussed this a lot when the news broke that he was going to be leaving. The amount of disciplinary issues that he had, I can't get my head around why people are so forgiving. So, so forgiving. Um, and I really can't get my head around it because I understand a lot of people don't really like Arteta. That's fine. Like, I didn't particularly like him after the Villarreal game or after the Manchester City game earlier this season. I was saying that we should move on from him. So despite what some people may tell you, it's not a case of, you know, Arteta or nothing. Um, it's about having a fluid opinion that changes depending on what evidence is put in front of you. But I don't really understand the criticism of Arteta moving Aubameyang on solely on that basis of all of the issues that have gone on behind the scenes. 
We need to create a culture of accountability at Arsenal. We need to create a situation where players know that they need to follow what the coach's instructions are, be that Arteta or whoever comes after him. And there will be a post-Arteta period. He won't be here forever. But we need to have a culture at the club where it is the manager's way or the highway. And I very much believe that because otherwise you're going to have <clears throat> you're going to have division, you're going to have fractures, you're going to have too much player power. Look at Manchester United recently and the way in which they drop points because of, you know, issues behind the scenes, let's say. So I just find it very, very odd that there is so much defence of Aubameyang um, based upon what's happened. Anyway, uh, I'm going to go into the chat box in just a second, including the Q&A. So if you've got feelings about Aubameyang or have an opinion on this debate, I would love to see what you guys have to say. So let's go into the chat box and see what you guys are chatting about. Okay, let's see. Let's scruntle up a little bit more and we'll go through some of these Aubameyang reaction comments. Uh, Ed says, Alba was trash. That's harsh. Uh, let's not pretend we are stressed that he's now scored a hat-trick. Everyone is way too delusional. I think that's really harsh, Ed, um, to be honest. Aubameyang is not trash. And I think he proved you wrong with that opinion in yesterday's game. What I would say is that I think Aubameyang has consistently not showed Arsenal enough to justify keeping him is the way I put it and you know as soon as someone disagrees with your point or thinks differently to you to call them delusional I think if anything makes you look worse is is what I would say Manu I'm sorry to say this and it hurts to say this but Pedri is the biggest young talent I've seen in decades yeah it's frustratingly annoying how good he is but we do have a couple of old more than a couple of our own generational talents at the club Matt G says seeing a lot of revisionist history about Aubameyang's great description some have forgotten he turned up late for the North London derby our captain one of the most important games of the season that for me was unforgivable um <clears throat> Yang, uh, says josh are in the right place at the right time for the third goal it really really was indeed uh junior says Yang has scored as many goals in one game for barca as lacazette has all season surely arteta could have uh could have out some of his personal pride as left out i think is what you mean some of his personal pride aside for the betterment of arsenal all i would say to that junior is that Aubameyang had four league goals for Arsenal. I mean, he had seven across the season, but three of them came against a West Brom B team. In last season, season prior, he scored in nine of 39 games. Just nine games of all 39. This is not new. This is not. This is since the new contract's been signed that things have started to go downhill. For me, the question is not about Arteta and Aubameyang. The question is about Arteta and Edu not replacing the goals by bringing something in, someone in, for those six months. No issue with him moving on Aubameyang. The issue I have, and I think the issue which should be the directed point of argument, is why we didn't bring in any anyone to replace him. I feel like if you go down the Aubameyang route, it, especially if you're pointing the finger towards Arteta, it does come across a lot more personal towards Arteta than it does objective about football. Um, Doodleman says Aubameyang was, is, and will, and will be quality, but he's not meant for Arsenal. And this is a great point. When you're saying that you feel like it was the right decision to move Aubameyang on, you're not saying that he's a bad player. In footballing terms, Aubameyang is nowhere near a bad player. But unfortunately... 
the issues at Arsenal meant that a move was absolutely necessary and absolutely was needed. So I don't think that we can have too many complaints about that. And says, I'm actually a bit bored of the anger that happens when players who don't fit the system we are playing does well in another system. It's short-sighted. I agree with you. But football can be football can be perceived so binary sometimes, either one or the other. It's either success or failure. That's not the case. Bamiyan can be a good player and can suit another system so much more than the current system that we're playing. That doesn't mean that we should change the system to suit a 32-turning 33-year-old striker so that it works. It means we should change out the piece in the puzzle and bring in the striker that fits the system that we're playing. Unfortunately, we only managed to do one part of that in January, which is the fall down and the failure of that window. James says the Bamiyan discussion goes hand in hand with the Arteta out brigade. They're desperate for any excuse to moan. Now, I have seen people who are both Arteta out, if you want to describe it as such. I find these labels a bit strange. Um, or uh, the, you know, the, the, the side which would say that they don't really point the finger at Arteta, still being very much on the side of a Bamiang. So I've seen it from, you know, varying perspectives. But what I would say is that I think you have a point, James, in that if there is some kind of personal vendetta or serious dislike from someone about Arteta, this Aubameyang incident does go hand in hand with their viewpoint and possibly even causes them to, what's the right way of phrasing this? Um, abandon what they would actually think in favour of Aubameyang um, is probably the best way to describe it. <laughs> Sacrificing their own viewpoint because it goes against Arteta is probably the best way to describe it. Uh, Mr. Lay says there's history. There is history of Aubameyang going AWOL when he wants a move. Did the same when he came. Why people are upset with Aubameyang is... Oh, sorry, why people are upset with Arteta is annoying me. <laughs> Don't let it annoy you. Don't let it annoy you. It's not that deep. You don't have to worry about it. It's football. Uh, you know, there's a lot more things going on in life, Mr. Lay. And thank you for the donation, by the way, for you to let this annoy you. Sure, let it get on your nerves a little bit when you're talking about it to your mates and in the chat box. But, you know, don't let it annoy you and affect your life. It's far, far too less important for you to do about that. Uh, Viraj says, what do you think of Bruno Gimoraes not getting ahead of Shelby for Newcastle? I think he will eventually. Uh, I think he will absolutely smash it in the end. I hope he, kind of hope he doesn't for obvious reasons. But I think he's just transitioning. You know, he's, he's bedding into the Newcastle side. It's a big, big culture change for him. So he will eventually uh, get into that team and, and nail down a place. I have no doubt about that. No Sleep says, it exposes the biggest problem with Arteta's style. We don't create enough clear-cut chances. It's probably, it's, it's probably, it's probably for the, for some reason that we are no, we are more defensively sound. So it gives, uh, so it's give and take. Sorry, I really struggle with the wording of that question. Um, I think that we saw in the first half against uh, Brentford, a team create 16 shooting opportunities, which is more than any other Premier League side. The argument is that we aren't creating enough high quality chances. I do still kind of disagree. I still think we should have won that game against Brentford by considerably more goals than we did and scored considerably more. I feel like if we have a clinical forward through this season, we have we will have scored plenty more than we currently have on the score sheet. So, yeah, uh, I, I think it's more down to the composure and quality of the striker than it is um, the number of high-level chances. I think we're creating plenty of quality chances, to be honest now. I think that's really something that's stepped up in the last couple of months. Uh, Cass says, totally agree. Aubameyang is a striker and he will score goals for Barcelona. Move on. He will no longer be with us and he wasn't scoring for us anyway. Junior says, Tom, how do you know 
how do you know how many disciplinary issues Aubameyang had? Or are you speculating based on rumours? We know of a minimum of two, uh, which was the North London derby scenario and the uh, return from uh, the trip to France scenario, which happened at the end of 2021. Um, there are reports from The Athletic in particular that state there are you know, there are believed to be more than just this as well. But even when we know of just two, Junior, those two are unacceptable. As captain, in this climate as well, and the importance of making sure you return on time for things during this period, it's those two alone as captain of Arsenal Football Club are not good enough. Uh, are not acceptable. Let's move the let's move the conversation on um, and take some questions from the chat box. Let's go scroll down a little bit more. Aya, who says, why are some Arsenal fans obsessed with Dominic Calvert-Lewin? I never understood why we should buy him. Seems like a huge waste of money. What I would say is I think that Everton are having a horrific season this year um, and have been really poorly kind of put together over the last couple of years. Goes to show that Usmanov would maybe not have been the best choice or Mashiri. Uh, for Arsenal. We talk about the decisions made at recruitment level from our owners, but wow, Everton's decision-making in the transfer market has been special, uh, that's for sure. Um, and what I would say now is that about DCL is that I'm not seeing a reflective Calvert-Lewin, what I feel that he could achieve. It's kind of ironically similar to this Aubameyang argument. Pick up Calvert-Lewin and put him into a really solid creative team like Arsenal. I think he scores a lot of goals this season, especially in the air, especially aerially right now obsession with Calvert-Lewin. I don't think there's an obsession. I just think oh, you're seeing people suggesting him as their number one option. I don't think that's an obsession. I think that's just recognising that he's a good striker and that would definitely improve upon the areas that we need to improve on in that department. He's not my number one choice anymore, that's for sure. I would be going for a combination of David Schick. Uh, David Schick. <laughs> I suppose it is David Schick, but Patrick Schick and Jonathan David would be who I would go for as a combination of two forwards. Um but yeah, I think there are options for us. But Calvert-Lewin would definitely improve on what we've already got without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, morning, Dana. Uh, who would you choose between Tielemans or Fabian Ruiz? Oh, it's a great question because I like both players. I think it would depend on the price. If you're telling me that you could get Tielemans for 50 million quid or Fabian for 16, it just makes economic sense to go for Fabian, who is basically as good as Tielemans for a ridiculously cheap price. However, if Tillemans is available for around 30-ish million pounds, I might sway more towards him because of his Premier League experience. His past, by the way, yesterday, for the, it was just ridiculous. And that kind of shows you what he's capable of, even in his poor patch of form. I love Tillemans. I really love Fabian Ruiz. And I'd be happy with either of them joining Arsenal, that's for sure. Um, Paul says, would we be in a better position in the league if we would have kept Aubameyang? He wasn't offering much. No, the answer is no, Paul. We wouldn't be. We wouldn't be in a better position. In fact, when he left the team, we started to improve results, uh, is the honest answer, isn't it? I mean, we've had a really good patch over winter. Only dropped points in two league games against Burnley and Man City. And behind that, you know, Aubameyang's not been involved. So can I really be that? that fast after he was dropped because of how things have improved since then? No, not at all. Uh, let's go down. Raf joining us in the chat box, says, I was a big Alba fan, but the reality is he's gone. I think we need to move on and focus on the running. Happy he's doing well. And that's what I would say. Look, I never wish anything bad on a Bamier. I didn't particularly like his behaviour, but I don't want him to go and fail. Look, I, I'm happy for him to go and enjoy his football again elsewhere. Wouldn't wish anything else. 
Uh, Olu says, Cabral was dropped after one poor game. Again, this is kind of the thing that we see uh, for your place like Fiorentina, especially when you've got a player like Christoph Piatek, who is scoring. It's just about when you see a player playing in a different system. I get this all the time. I get people coming to me with players that say, I've suggested, have you seen them playing for them recently? They're not getting into the team. We saw it with Bruno Gimalais just now. We had a question earlier on about him. The fact of the matter is, is that it's really difficult to see a player move over the space of less than a month, which is what it has been in the case of Arta Cabral, and think that that would be happening at Arsenal. It's impossible to know because they're two very, very different situations. By by all measure, like asking for Christoph Piatek, I mean, would people have gone absolutely mental if we'd assigned him for six months? Probably. And yeah, he's scoring for Fiorentina and winning them points. So it's a crazy world and it's impossible to to say so in, in such binary fashion that a player not working in one place or not working at the moment in one place wouldn't necessarily not work somewhere else. Marcus says, in the absence of tall players, maybe we should f- lift players like a rugby line out, <laughs> waste of a cross, a present. But we need to sort something out because it's just not working for us, is it? We're putting decent quality crosses into the box at times and there's no one there available for us to, to get on the end of them, which is really frustrating. Let's go to someone else in the chat box. <clears throat> Let's go to Navarro who says, Tom, don't you think that we should have went for Veghorst? Yeah, I do. I've never hidden that away. I feel like 12 to 15 million pounds, two-year contract. I know he went in for a three-year deal, but I mean, if you offer, or three and a half, actually, I think for Burnley. If you said to Veghorst, look, you can go to Burnley for three and a half years, or Arsenal are offering you a two and a half-year deal at 12 million quids on, you know, decent wages, probably around what you want at Wolfsburg. You come into the team, Arsenal then go and sign a big, they're going to go and sign a big striker in the summer, sure. But you're in a team where you're going to get plenty of crosses into the box. I would have eff- I would have definitely, definitely done that. Definitely done that without a shadow of a doubt. I get the argument about kind of signing an, a, an older end striker or a striker for a longer period of time that we needed, but it's it's not like, it's it's not a Willian scenario. <clears throat> it's it's not a Cedric scenario. It's it's not that for me because Vegkos has got qualities and characteristics that we probably won't get even in the striker that we look to sign in the summer. And having someone even off the bench next season who can add that verticality to the side, I think would have been an asset. So I don't see that side of the argument, to be honest. Paul says, why do you prefer Fabiano Rees and how does he fit into our system? If you notice the way that we're playing at the moment with uh, Thomas Partey as this kind of lone six, Xhaka playing slightly ahead of him on the left, and Odegaard playing this hybrid eight kind of role on the right at the central midfield three. Take out Xhaka, put in Fabiano Ruiz, left foot for left foot. Xhaka doesn't have the elegance and the technical skill that Fabian does. He would be able to consistently keep up the level of passing that Xhaka has done. Great pass with the ball. Better with the ball at his feet moving forwards progressively. You'd have kind of that Erdegaard control and calmness and composure on the left-hand side that we currently have on the right-hand side. Defensively, is he as good as Xhaka defensively in certain aspects? Recovery pace in certain aspects? Interceptions? Tackling? No. Not as good tackling-wise, but Xhaka is a very decent tackler. You know, when he's not asked to chase back. <laughs> but when one-on-one, you know, he can be pretty good when he's got players behind him and he doesn't do anything stupid. But Fabian doesn't really have the same level of defensive ability as Xhaka does, but he's not lacking in that department. It's really hard to describe it because I know there's such a there's a, such a pretext about how Xhaka is defensively. But when you actually look at him statistically, defensively, he does a lot more than maybe you perceive. 
But Fabian's defensive ability is not lacking. It's just not of that same level. But when you're given the responsibility to Thomas Partey to be the six, I think that's going to be okay. And I think what he would give to you going forwards would definitely counterbalance. And we've really improved ourselves defensively too. And there's no reason to say that he wouldn't improve defensively under Mikel Arteta either. So there you go. Uh, let's scroll down. Any news about Martinelli and Saka's contracts? It's going to be something that's going to be continually discussed, Peter, uh, up until the summer and beyond if nothing gets sorted by that point. Uh, Patrick says, what do you think of McTominay's performance against Leeds and not getting a red card? Um, my former colleague at 101 Great Girls, Ben Browning, put up a brilliant tweet. Um, let me find it. Because it was excellent. Uh, fun fact, Scott McTominay made as many fouls against Leeds, six, as Arsenal have made for their last three red cards combined. Martinelli and Wolves, three. Partey and Liverpool, two. And Gabriel and Man City, one. For what it's worth, I don't have a problem with any of these red cards Arsenal got, and I don't think there is a refereeing agenda. I just think they are incompetent, <laughs> which is what Ben said. It's mad. It's utterly insane. And the thing is, is that... Who was it that got booked? Rafinha, I think it was, that got booked for approaching the referee after Junior Firpo was fouled by Luke Shaw. Scott McTominay was straight in there on a yellow card and barely did anything different to what Rafinha did and yet was allowed to just carry on. The inconsistency, the incompetence, as Ben describes it quite aptly, is why the Premier League are having to act and put in place training and try and put methods in place to improve the officiating because it's poor. It's really, really poor. Arsenal should have had four penalties. And I don't exaggerate. Handball, Ben White, Alexandre Lacazette, Nicolas Pepe, having now watched it again, four penalties in that game. How many did they get? Zero. It's it's ridiculous. It's utterly, utterly ridiculous. And uh, the thing is, Arsenal fans are getting memes now for like this complaining about referees. And it was always going to happen. But the fact of the matter is, it's the truth, is that the officiating in the Premier League is embarrassingly poor and embarrassingly inconsistent. And it changes from ref to ref. It doesn't even change from ref to ref. It changes for the individual refs from game to game or from team to team. The inconsistency is just unforgivable at this point. Uh, is Ferguson still paying the refs? <laughs> Possibly so. Uh, Peter says, what do you think of uh, Nuri from Wolves not getting two yellows in a row like Martinelli? I'm not surprised, mate. I'm not surprised at all. Um, Cam says, we're not keeping up on our ref payments. It's as simple as that. Uh, Marcus says, glad you have seen Pepe's penalty claim. It was a blatant trip. Yeah, it was. I, basically, I wasn't able to see it in high enough quality at the time. And I've since seen individual still images and I watched it back on Scout. And yeah, it's it's an obvious and blatant penalty. And it wasn't given. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Marcus says, do you think there will be a shake-up in the summer of refs? Standard is shocking. There's apparently, you know, something going on behind the scenes to try and improve it, but will they shake up the referees? No. You know what they do need to do is they need to increase the diversity of referees. The fact that there, is, there isn't a referee of colour in, 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 the, in, the, in the Premier League is ridiculous. I hate that phrase. It's but, you know, it's apparently it's the acceptable one. Um but the, the fact there isn't, you know, a black referee in the Premier League, there's not an Asian referee in, in the Premier League, is mad. Um, and you you go down the table and it's it's frankly embarrassing. You go down the Purple Puma, it's embarrassing how underrepresented it is. So that is certainly something that needs to be addressed and ASAP. 
absolutely ASAP. So fingers crossed that it does. And you never know. Hopefully it'll improve that as well and improve the standard of refereeing too. There just needs to be a level of accountability for me. Absolutely needs to be a level of accountability. And there just isn't that for referees. I'd love the idea of a league table, you know, promotion and relegation for referees on bad officiating that come the end of the season. If you're bottom of the refereeing table, you get relegated. You go down to the championship. You know, referees in the championship, they've had a brilliant season, been consistent, have been marked up on their points for the amount of things they've done right or lose points. The things I think the way it should happen is that don't you don't get points for getting things right as a referee. You lose points for getting things wrong. That's what it should be. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. That's the way it needs to move forward. Um, <clears throat> let's go to... Oh, wow, that is a ridiculous statement I've just read in the chat box. Uh, Penny Ween says, if the technology allowed, would you be happy with fully automated refere- uh, refereeing uh, to remove the human ele- error element? Look, if there was any way to have a computer system that could accurately judge decisions, then absolutely. But the fact of the matter is, is there are some moments where I think human judgment needs to come in. Can a computer recognize intent, can recognize the way in which a player goes in for a tackle and there being intent behind it? Can a computer recognize what goes on in a scuffle? The technology, I don't think, is just there at the moment. Offsides, I think, is something that needs to be developed. And having enough cameras in in top elite level football stadiums to be able to judge offsides, that is something that needs to come through. So that the linesman gets basically a signal in his ear when the the, the computers or the cameras is kind of judging uh, where the players are in the pass and the timing of the passes are made, where they can then judge whether or not a player is offside. If that technology can exist... It's certainly something that should be implemented, but you know that's that's where we're at right now. Um, Marcus says, "Irony is my ref training was by two men of color." Hope the correct is, as far as I'm aware. I mean, I, I've got friends of mine who don't like that phrase at all, but uh, um, I'm ensured that it is. Yeah, I mean, in re- in refereeing training, you know, I'm not surprised, but it's that at that level we need to see more diversity in officiating at the top level and uh, that's that's the situation that we're in right now um but yeah unfortunately we kind of ended the show on a really somber not somber it's not somber at all you know it's if, if anything it's invigorating and uh, we should be more open to discussing this type of thing about the lack of diversity not only that but we've discussed it many times with the arsenal fan advisory board we are not um, innocent in this and the Arsenal fan advisory board I am very critical of not having any female representation and there being no person of colour on there as well it's a poor image and shows a lack of diversity which is not representative of the entire Arsenal fan base so it's not just refereeing it's not just that and we can look inwards and have a look at ourselves sometimes and think that things need to improve as well Anyway, do drop a like on the video, guys, if you haven't done so already. Um, please do. Uh, I think we have hit 100 likes on the video. I think Daniel's been campaigning. I'm not singing. Uh, you won't ever hear that, especially whilst I've got COVID. <laughs> no chance. But uh, thank you, everybody, for dropping a like on the video. Please, please do uh, subscribe if you haven't done so already. I will be live on the Arsenal way in just under an hour's time. Link to the channels in the description. Do help us get to 9,000 subs. We're only about 40 subs away now so please please do uh i will see you a little bit later on this evening for the arsenal lounge show at eight o'clock uh so i look forward to bringing you that uh whether or not there's going to be another show today i'm not sure but tomorrow 
I'm hopefully going to do another Twitter space, which I'm trying to do every fortnight on a Tuesday for TGT Twitter space Tuesday. So that's hopefully going to happen as well. So if you're on Twitter, uh, make sure you set your reminders around probably eight o'clock-ish. Uh, maybe seven because of Champions League football, to be fair. So we'll wait and see. Have a great day. Enjoy your Monday and the start of the week. Get it through it and drop a like before you go. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.